0: So now even the church, I mean you look through church history, you look through what we did, we buried that, right? We we made this kind of purity, non-sexual thought more like a god, more like an idol that we're all trying to reach that. Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Indo Podcast. I'm your host Isaac, and we have an exciting podcast for you today. Uh, last week, we had actually taken a break from Love and Lust uh, because two weeks prior to that, I was definitely sick with the flu, and I wasn't able to record. But this week, we we're able to complete our series on Love and Lust, so that's uh, that's awesome. Um, if this is your first time listening to the Indo Podcast, welcome. Uh, we on this podcast we dig into multiple different uh, issues and topics that usually arise in in most young adults' lives, and really. All demographics, actually, our purpose is really to help people gain a biblical understanding or perspective on the multiple different things that happen in life. Uh, Anything and everything from sexual addiction, which we've been looking at in our current series called Love and Lust, uh, to homosexuality, transgenderism, careers, identity, whatever kind of comes up in life, the different issues. So today we get to hear from a very special guest. His name is Tom Brooks. He's a Christian counselor from the Vancouver area. He counsels lots of pastors and those in the church. Anyways, I had an awesome chat with him last week, and I'm I'm happy to share it with you. He he talked about sexual addiction, why young people struggle, and a lot of a lot of different things, which I'm excited for you to hear. Uh, he also gets into this idea of inviting God into your sex life, which he unpacks in our own conversation. So I'll just leave that there for him to talk about. Also, later on this week, we're gonna be releasing an article on our site with the title, I'm Addicted to Porn and I Serve at My Church. Uh, The article really just frankly kind of talks about the reality that there are teens, young adults, parents, pastors even who are addicted to pornography and serving at their church, uh, whether it's in a small role or a leadership role. So the purpose of the article is to sort of break the awkwardness a bit to talk about it and ultimately provide some biblical truth that can help those who struggle or those who know of someone who struggles. I'm excited about the article and I think we uh, as the church need to be more open about the more taboo topics and really the church and many parachurch organizations have actually started to talk more and more, which is great. Anyways, the article is out this week, watch for it. We'll publish it on our site and share it on Facebook. Well, let's head into the conversation I had with Christian counselor, Tom Brooks. today, we have Tom Brooks, who is a Christian counselor based out of Vancouver, and he owns Solutions to Life Counseling. So he counsels uh, lots of Christians, non-Christians, people in the church, pastors even. And uh, we're talking today on sexual addiction. We're in a series right now called Love and Lust, where we're really looking at uh, what does the Bible say about sexual immorality? What does the Bible say about sexual addiction? And and what can Christians do if they feel that there is a, if they're struggling, if there's a problem there? So that's what we're getting into. But uh, I've known Tom Brooks for a, for a while now. He actually goes to my church. Uh, he actually stepped into the associate pastor role uh, recently as well. Yeah, but hey, I'm glad you're here. Oh, well,
0: it's good to be here. I I, I have to say that this is a fantastic topic. Um, We need to get this message out more and more. I I just think that this is something that we're talking about all the time, and people in my office, even Christian couples, non-Christian couples, we bring this up all the time. It seems to be definitely an issue that we need to bring to the forefront, and so I'm I'm thrilled that you've invited me here, and I just think that this is something that we absolutely Mm -hmm. need to have. Out in the forefront that we talk openly about, and we're not ashamed to talk about. Yeah. And I'm going to get into a lot of different information, yeah. but um, just just a real privilege for having me here. So thank you, Isaac.
1: Oh, definitely. Um, so based on what you just said a second ago, um, do you think that in the past ten years it's actually become a little bit more open because it used to be very taboo, like people didn't want to talk about uh, sexual addiction and you know the more kind of specifics like pornography and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you think in the last like Five, ten years has actually become, people have become a little bit more open? Or do you think it's still quite a sort of quiet? Oh, I thing? think it's
0: still very much in the background. Okay. Um, yeah. I think that mo- my experience is um, most couples fight over sex than any other topic. Wow. Um, not over parenting, not over. Uh, money issues. They really argue and fight, and and that over sex more than anything else in the relationship. And so when they come into my office and I start talking openly about these things, um, a lot of them get very embarrassed, wow. and they actually say, "Are we allowed to talk about these things here?" And yeah. you know, they're actually questioning whether or not. So here we, on the one hand, we have a lot of very open kind of conversation. A lot of things. Uh, you know, you can get pornography. on, your iPhone, you can get you can get sure. all kinds of dating sites right now in the palm of your hand. So it looks open, but I think what's happening is there's actually a pendulum swinging over to the other way, where we're not actually talking about yeah. these things. We're not actually bringing out the reality of what's actually happening. Yeah. We know it's all here, uh, so I think it looks like it's open, but we're actually hiding it uh, more and more. So I, I say to couples, listen, we need to bring these things to the surface, right. and Sex is always one of those things that most men struggle with, right? And women resent. Mm. And so men, you know, men want to make dinner for their wife or whatever, and then have a payoff at the end of the night. The wife is going, why is he making dinner? Uh, Because he uh, wants a payoff at the end of the night. So (laughs) there's this constant game and struggle around sex, and we don't understand it. Mm. And so I'm looking at, yes, we're very open with it but we're really not bringing it down to the grassroots right. of how is this actually working and affecting in our relationships, right? Yeah, exactly. And we need to talk about it.
1: Okay, no, that's good. All right, so the first question is, what exactly is sexual addiction? Because that, you know, we can throw that around, you know, sexual addiction, but what, what does that look like?
0: Right, in someone's life? well, um, I don't wanna give you the textbook, definition. But it really is doing a a behavior over and over and over again with negative results that are harmful to yourself and others, right? So what happens is, so when you talk about sexual addiction, you're doing something sexually over and over and over again and not even aware or do you even care about the results. You Mm -hmm. don't even care about the harm that it's causing yourself or someone else. So it can be, um, you can be addicted to masturbation. You can be addicted to pornography. You can be addicted to massage parlors. I mean, there's all kinds of different addictions that happen under the umbrella of sexual addiction. And that is where I think where a lot of the damage is done Mm. because addiction is just... It's kind of insanity. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So that's what I think addiction does to us is just it creates a life of insanity. You keep doing the same thing over and over again, wishing for a different result, hoping, even praying for a different result. And you end up with the same result all the time. So. It breaks down, ultimately, it breaks down your intimacy, right? Right. Which is, again, a, I believe a God-given thing, but we can get into that later. Yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. Yes.
1: That's good. So um, why is it, do you think, as a Christian counselors, counseled young adults, singles and married couples, when it comes to sexual addiction, why is it that so many young adults, male and female, are struggling with this right now? Why does oh, it seem boy, like that's such a... big? A, that's a big it's, question. Well, it's a big question, right? That is a
0: big question. Why is it... Oh, well, first of all, I think a lot of us don't really understand it. Um, first of all, it is a gift that God gave us. Um, that's one thing I talk to young men and young women about. It's something that God gave Adam and Eve right in the garden at the very beginning, the first relationship. Right? He told them, "Go and have good sex." That right. was his first command. All <laughs> right, like, <laughs> and we're all like, "Yes, you know, two thumbs up." But what happened is after the fall. Then that sexuality, something changed, something changed in that sexuality. So now, even the church, I mean, you look through church history, you look through what we did, we buried that, right? We we made this kind of purity, non-sexual thought more like a God, more like an idol, that we're all trying to reach that. And all of a sudden, now as a teenager, I remember I remember growing up in a pastor's, I was a pastor's kid. Yeah. And I grew up in a pastor's home. And I mean, for me to even broached the subject of talking to my dad about my sexual thoughts or what, you know, I kind of like this girl and I didn't know what was going on. Right. Forget it. It would never happen mm-hmm. because I wasn't, there was this undertone of you're not allowed to have those thoughts, right? So to, to not have those thoughts all the way through my teen years, and then all of a sudden I have a piece of paper that says I'm married, now I can woohoo, you know, have all these sexual thoughts and desires, and it, it, it was too much of a switch. It was too much of a switch on and off. Right. And what we have to understand is, the understanding is God gave us that gift. It's mm-hmm. something that he gave us here. Uh, I want to give you this gift of pleasure, right? right. Uh, I don't want to take it back we take that gift that God's given us, unfortunately, we use it and abuse it and do it it in destructive ways, and then we resent it, and we want to try and give it back to God. Hmm. See, the thing about sexual addiction, it's different than any other kind of addiction, because if you have a drug addiction, it's something, a substance that you're taking from outside and you're putting it into your body. Right. Alcohol addiction, you're putting it into your body. Sexual addiction is something that actually happens from the inside. Mm. So it's something that God's given us. We've actually been able now to determine that there is a pleasure point in our mind, in our brain. Could you imagine life without pleasure? It would be pretty (laughs) boring and, and not exciting or anything. So as God gave it to us as a gift, we know now that there's this place in our in our brain where there's actually a center for pleasure, right? Mm -hmm. And so we can thank God for that, but we don't. We struggle with it. We go and find it in very destructive ways. And so that we end up resenting it. Many guys I sit with, you know, they're 15, 16, 17, and they resent having a sex drive. It's like, I don't even want to be attracted to that girl. I don't even want to think about that. And I'm going, well, hold on a second. Yeah. (laughs) We have to understand what it is first, right? Because what we don't understand, we run from we fear. What we sure. ignore, we fear, right? And I say, no, we need to lean into that so we can have a clear understanding of exactly what God gave us. So when we talk about sexuality, we talk about um, you know, our sexual thoughts and things like that, we all have them.
1: Yes, yeah, <laughs> so exactly.
0: that's the first thing we need to understand and accept, right? Is knowing that, yes, we have these thoughts. And believe it or not, Dare I say they're God-given thoughts, right? right? He wanted Adam to be attracted to Eve. Sure. Could you imagine if Adam had said, uh, I don't think I... <laughs> She's not really everything. Uh, yeah. Right. That wouldn't have happened because God had already placed that in Adam. So right. that's one of the things I think we struggle with is because we it's something that's already in us. Right. We're not putting it into us. And so we haven't truly accepted it, right? We haven't truly um, had that. And it's been this taboo, like you we talked about earlier, it's been kind of a taboo off the table, kind of, we know it's there, but we haven't really talked about it, we haven't really brought it into the forefront.
1: Yeah, yeah that's good, and it's interesting, you, you know, you're, you're just at the last point you said, in the New Testament, uh, Jesus, Paul, they were not shy away from talking about this subject, they were straight on. Like, yes. Paul spent so many so much of his time writing to them, saying, don't do this, like, yes. this, is, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, Another question I have here is: What are some of the excuses that lead us to commit sexual immorality? So, what are some of the? Yeah.
0: Well, some of the things, yeah, excuses. What causes us to wander? Yeah. Um, And some of one of the reasons, some of the reasons why we do struggle with this is because there is there is an element of loneliness that happens in our lives especially when we're living a parallel life you know if you're if you're staying up late at night and you're watching pornography well you're not talk you know your wife says what did, what were you doing staying up so late you well i was you know watching a show or whatever right and so we end up actually lying we end up deceiving we, we can't stand the fact that we've we're doing that so we can be lonely in our own relationship we can be lonely at church we can be lonely in our own homes in our own families those kind of things so just cuz we're in a crowd we can still have this sense of loneliness mm. and so we, we do that, um, we, we kind of stray because of that hurt, that loneliness, that mm. isolation. And, and part of it is like an ongoing cycle. Right. Um, I, you know, I've, I've gone and done this, right? Yeah. I don't want to tell anyone I've done it right. because I don't want to fear, I fear rejection. Sure. Right? So, so then you end up going down this road of never really sharing what's truly going on inside of you. That's the one room that is locked away that nobody gets a chance to see, right? Right. Some of it can be anger. Anger can be another one. Um, you're upset with the way life is going. You have, you believe you have no control over life. So that anger or hurt, most people are hurt, so they express it in anger. So you swing the pendulum over the other way, you know, to kind of self-medicate, you know, kind of a soothing. Mm-hmm. Some people have actually told me that it's it takes the edge off of their anger. Um, and they're not actually as angry at their wife anymore. They're not actually as, you know, ticked off with their kids anymore, you know, that kind of thing. So logically they're trying to use it as like, almost like a medication, right? It's Hmm. their drug of choice, right? Mm, That kind of thing. Um, another thing is self-sabotaging. Um, they really don't honestly believe that good things can keep happening in their life right mm. so they go along and things are going well and it's almost like i'm waiting for the shoe to fall like there's this fear there's this anxiety you know that things can't go this well for this long and so i might as well be the one to you know knock the wheels off the wagon so to speak and then they go and do these different destructive things and in some ways, because their past experiences, which is another reason to wander, I've been I've been abused, right? right. Uh, somebody's violated me, so therefore, how how do I deserve any good things? So there's a self-sabotaging that begins to happen, and um, and God wants to give us good gifts and keep giving us good gifts, well, sure. Yeah. right? That benefit our lives and give us more joy and and pleasure and freedom and all those kind of things. But we're locked in this thing of our past experiences, right? And then really, honestly, tiredness, busyness, um, we're not on guard, uh, we're not protecting our lives and our relationship, you know, and, and, and things like that. So we hit the wall and we literally sometimes just give up. You yeah. know, we just say, oh, the fight is too much, right? Paul warns us to don't be weary in doing the right things, yeah, right? right? Yeah, that's right. And we do, you know. And, and quite frankly, I also think that we actually, one of the ways we wander is forgetfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's a real enemy weapon. Uh, mm-hmm. we, he uses our forgetfulness, the things that God has delivered us from the past, the, thing, the triumphs, the victories, the things that the Holy Spirit has given us uh, victory over, yeah. we can actually forget those things. Right. And so um, many times in the Old Testament, God says, remember when, remember when, yeah, remember exactly. when. Right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> because
0: we really truly forget. So um, yeah, so, you know, not letting those times just kind of drift off into our past. But remember the things and the faithfulness that God has been, so he's always there.
1: Yeah. Do you think a lot of uh, married men, women, single people that are struggling with sexual addiction, it's simply they, they struggle because in the morning or whenever they, whenever they let's say, have their devotions or whatever, they forget to really put on the full armor of God. So mm-hmm. when these attacks of the enemy come, they just sort of, I'm I'm so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't actually thought about... I need to protect myself and be on guard today because I know that through flipping through my Facebook posts or Instagram or whatever, I might see something and a seed's going to be planted, and I'm probably going to fail. Yes.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. We just forget
1: to put on this this armor yes. of God. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And 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 when you look at that, you there's there's really some scenarios that can happen. You know, for instance, um, there, there's two things that we can do: we fight it or we give in. Right. Right. Okay. And. Uh, some of the scenarios that I use with with some guys, yeah. in particular, uh, especially coming from a male perspective, you sure. know, you could be at a gas station, just kind of minding your own business, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you know, it, it's a hot summer day or something, and this another vehicle pulls in, and out jumps this girl, and she's, you know, doesn't have a lot of clothes on or whatever, sure. right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's it's immediately boom, you are faced with what you are faced with a fight, right? Right. And so what happens is like what I used to do I used to fight it so I used to you know put my hands over my eyes and look down on the ground and go okay I can't look I can't look I can, you know I'm, I'm sure. trying to say this thing to me um, but I'm looking through my fingers and I'm still looking at her and all this kind of stuff you know so am I winning that battle no I'm not winning that battle And then, what do I do over time? I just get discouraged. I I, then I just uh, forget it. I'm just going to look at her. I'm going to objectify her. I'm going to burn her memory into my mind, and I might go and masturbate or something later to that to that memory, to that image, right? Mm -hmm. And so, both of those things to me are very destructive and very discouraging because it makes it about me, Right. right? And what you were saying is, what about bringing God into it, right? Yeah. And so. What I help guys with, and myself, I continually do this remind myself to literally pray for this person, like to literally invite God in to the moment of my weakness, mm-hmm. to the moment of my fight. Because you know what? It's not just my fight. I cannot do this alone, right? right. So, in our weakness, He is made strong. That's right. right. So many times we go to God and ask for forgiveness after something we've done. What about inviting God in right now, right in this moment? So literally, I begin to pray for this girl. I literally pray for her. I pray for her family. If she's not a believer, um, God, would you intercept her life? Would you intervene? You know, that kind of thing. Lust and the spirit cannot dwell together. Yeah. yeah. So what happens is now we have a third alternative, right? Sure. To that struggle, to that to that um, thing, right. because, because the, the truth is, as I have a sex drive, right? Yeah. I am going to be attracted, right? Sure. Yeah. So yeah. the reality is, but God, I want you to step into that attraction. I want you to step into that sex drive, right? Yeah. And instead of objectifying her, now I'm going to pray for her. Now I'm going to lift her up to wow. you in yeah. prayer. It's crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah. It, it is. It, yeah. it is crazy. It's kind of a new, you know, <laughs> yeah. way to think. But more and more guys, more and more women too are getting victory over that wow. because they're reminding themselves this is now the new way that I want to try and right. do this is inviting right. God in and letting the spirit take over instead of me.
1: Yeah. I think that point you just said like lust And the spirit, and we're talking about lust in the sense of like the the more sexually addicted kind of lust. absolutely Not like a lust for your wife, like a godly lust, but so that kind of dirty lust and spirit can't dwell together. It won't work. No. It won't work. No, absolutely
0: not. Yeah. And I tried the other thing, like I tried driving down the road, you know, and and turning the mirrors around and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And sorry, it didn't work for me. Right. Right. So (laughs) it's really saying, okay, God, what is the, what is the alternative? right? Right. And so one day just during my Devotional, it was like, well, why don't you just try praying for me in those times of weakness? Yeah. I'm like, wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was a new concept for me. Yeah. And so I began to do that. I began right. to, that was kind of my default now, right. was to do that. And uh, at first, honestly, it felt kind of weird. It yeah. felt kind of not natural. Yeah. But the more and more I thought about it, the more I I let the spirit kind of work through me. Sure. Right. I like like John the Baptist said, I must decrease, and he must increase. Amen. Yeah. I kind of felt that way over time. It wasn't a it wasn't a process, or it wasn't a strategy, or it wasn't a you know like a formula. Yeah. I just began to invite God in more and more and more to yeah. my fantasy life, to yeah. my objectifying of women. Yeah and all of a sudden i began to realize hold on a second i've had some victories here you know wow. and and god is actually in the midst of something again that he's given yeah. me as a gift And, you know, when you thank God for something you've been given, you treat it differently. When I thank God for my wife over and over and over again, I treat her differently. When I thank God for my kids, my job, my ministry, whatever it is, I treat those things differently. So I began to thank God for that sex drive, even right then at that moment,
1: and I treat it differently. Yeah, that's good. And actually, you can take this whole idea of inviting God in, you can really pull that even away specifically from... Uh, your struggle with lust, and that applies to every area of life.
0: Yes, absolutely. You know? And yes.
1: you know, so even if you feel, let's say, you do have victory of just closing your eyes and not looking, and that actually lasts for a long time, you, you, that tendency to still, you're you're still not inviting God into your life in general. So that could easily, that kind of addiction could just move to something else. Yes, so absolutely. I think it's important to like, you know, it's not just inviting God into that area, but it's just it's just having this. Uh, uh, you know, sense of that the Lord is the Lord of my day and the Lord of my life. He's invited into every situation, every single thought that I have, every single relationship every single conversation i have he's he's in this yes. you know and he's leading mm. me this way what do you say to all of those young people or anyone really that are struggling with guilt i
0: always say that guilt is a terribly wonderful feeling um <laughs> we don't like it right. but it's there and and guilt leads us to repentance and so um so guilt is a is a legal term it says it's the evidence of i did this okay sure. So that's guilt. We actually need to feel guilt. But the North American culture doesn't like the feeling, right? Because right. it's kind of like somebody kicked you in the stomach or, I just don't like this feeling, right? It, we don't feel good about it, right? But guilt is, a ter- like I said, a terribly wonderful feeling, right? We need to feel that guilt so that it reminds our mind next time Look, this is not a good thing for you, right? Um, But what happens is shame is like the reporters who leave the courtroom and write things about you, right? Mm. I call shame the court of opinion, right mm. we can never overcome that that yeah. becomes something that drives us into a place uh, like adam and eve did they felt shame and they hid from they hid. god right? Yeah, that's right right and god has always said don't hide from me right i am not here to condemn you i am here to love you i am here to walk with you i'm here right and in our sexuality and our sexual addiction god is here to walk with you as well right so inviting him him opening that door vision envision yourself walking into that room with God, right? And say, okay, God, what do I need to do?
1: That's awesome. Hey, before we wrap up, is there any other thoughts that you had on this? I mean, you've said so many good things, but if you had any other thoughts... Yeah.
0: Well, of course, you know, I, I talk to a lot of married people because it's primarily what I do is relational things, okay. right? But um, I, one thing that honestly bothers me, I don't know why we are not setting a sexual revolution, you know <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, we're kind of silent on it. So I, again, I really appreciate you doing this. Again, I I believe that we need to bring God into our bedrooms. We need to bring God into our sexuality. Holding your hands with your spouse, right? And praying and saying, God, let us have a a wonderful, healthy sexual experience, right? Right. Let us truly be open and honest. Let's not use sex as a game. Let's not use sex as a tool, right? Let's use it as the gift you intended it to be. Mm -hmm. Because women, believe it or not, are just as sexual as men right yeah. but they don't express it in the same ways right and they're fearful of doing that because they don't just want to be a sex object right? right so we have to understand some of this that is going on and so why not pray and bring god into the bedroom bring god into your sexual experience read the song of solomon right i mean god did write a book about sex right so he wants us to enjoy that he wants us to i believe set the sexual tone for society could you imagine talking to other friends or family members and saying man my wife and i god has just blessed our sex life He's, we don't talk like no, that we <laughs> right we yeah. don't we we have a healthy vibrant sex life you know it's almost like can't talk about that. Yeah. And I'm saying, no, bring that out to the foreground. Bring that out into the open, right?
1: Well, thank you so much, Tom. That was that was amazing. Again, this is uh, Tom Brooks. He's a Christian counselor, uh, owner of Solutions to Life Counseling. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you. Awesome. That was Tom Brooks and the conversation I had the privilege of having with him uh, last week. Also, if you have any questions about what Tom or I have said, or any of the guests that have been on this Love & Lust series, ask us. Head on to our podcast episode page and comment underneath it, or just shoot us a message on Facebook or on our site under the contact uh, page as well. I find that talking about topics such as sex, sexual addiction, pornography, love, whatever, there's always lots of questions, but also ideas and beliefs. Uh, So yeah, ask us or tell us even. So we've come to the end of our love and lust series, and I hope you've enjoyed it. If you want to hear back of uh, past episodes, just head over to Indo.ca and listen to the other ones. We, the first episode, we talked to David Demansky. He's a triple X Church uh, community group leader, leader down in uh, down in the states, and then we also talked to Dr. John Newfeld, and he kind of gives a more biblical understanding. So it's been a lot of fun. Well, that wraps up episode number four of the Indo podcast. To find out more about Indo and to listen to more podcasts, uh, visit Indo.ca. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Also, we want to hear from you. So if you have any stories, comments, or whatever you want to share with us, let us know. That being said, I'm Isaac, and this is The Endowed Podcast.